But it's been so cool to get to watch Ellie grow and to get to watch her expressions grow. And even, even this week we were talking and uh, we were playing with fire. And it, Well, it's not like we were being dangerous. We had matches and a candle. Like it was relatively safe. And um, so we're like striking the match and we're playing with fire. And I just said to her, Ellie, imagine what Moses must have thought, right? Like when God like, like sets this bush on fire starts talking to him. And Ellie said, what? I was like, yeah, like God was like talking to Moses like from the burning bush. And she said, what? I didn't know he could do that. You know? And it was just like this revelation moment. And, you know, her, her sense of amazement kind of like, you know, made me chuckle. And I was like, come on, Ellie, he's God. He kind of does what he wants. But then I got to thinking about it. Like, she was genuinely, like, awestruck. Like, whoa. Like, God did that. Wow. You know, like, I didn't know he could do that. And then I started, like, kind of reflecting and started saying, like, when was the last time I looked at God and went, what? I didn't know he could do that. And, and I wonder what that, what, what for you guys, if, if, there was, if there's been a time in recent past where you've, you've paused and you've been in awe of who God is and you've said, what? I didn't know he could do that. And, and maybe you're like me, right? Like maybe, maybe life is busy. Maybe there's a lot of things going on. Maybe there's, um, you, you have a family you're providing for, or you've got a job you're trying to get, or you've got school you're trying to finish. Where there's just a lot of irons in the fire. And so it's, it's, it's kind of easy to forget that there is a loving God who desires intimacy with you. And it's, it's sometimes easy to forget that, that God wants to know your, your deepest fear and wants to know the biggest dreams and ambitions that you have. That he wants to hear us. And, and maybe you're like me too in that it's easy to take God for granted. Right? It's, it's easy to kind of go through the motions. And the problem with taking God for granted is two more steps down that road and you wind up being really, really selfish. You're the center of your own world. Everything you do, your schedule, your finances, everything revolves around making you the center of your own world. Always trying to get to that next thing, the, 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 the job promotion, the, the, the whatever that next thing is, the next video game, the next video release the next movie that comes out on download whatever it is like we have a tendency to kind of put God on the shelf and to be amazed at the things that entertain us or there's the other possibility that you just don't even know him yet and you don't know God well enough to even be amazed by him and so wherever you are on that spectrum um I'm really really pumped that you're here, that you're in this room. Because one, that's just evidence that God's at work in your life, right? Like, like Emma was saying, like you walking in already cross paths with people that are going to care about you, whether you want us to or not, <laughs> right? Like that's kind of who we are. That's kind of what we do here. Um, and so I'm pumped that you're here because already this morning you've had opportunities to say, what? I didn't know he did that. I didn't know that, man, that how he loves, 
song, I love how you reworded the end of it. Like just to stand before God and say, oh, how he loves me. There's some days that if somebody were to say that, there would be a part of me that would say, what? I didn't know he did that. Right? So I'm pumped that you're here. And my hope is that by the end of our morning together, by the end of our time, everybody here will have an opportunity to pause and to say, what? I didn't know he did that. Let me pray for us and we'll jump into the text. Jesus, you are king. You are Lord of the heavens. You are Lord of the earth and of everything under the earth. Lord, you see all. You are in all. You are supreme. And you are, you are big and powerful and mighty. And you are near. And you are gentle. And you are intimate. And so, Lord, I pray for me personally, God, I just want to confess that, um, that I take you for granted some days. That I go throughout my day and before the, I get to the end of the day, I realize I haven't even said thank you to you once. So Jesus, would you make me mindful of how you are at work? Thank you for the little reminders from Ellie. Thank you for the reminders that you put in the world around us to show us that you're at work. So, Lord, would you unite our hearts here this morning and bring your word to life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so, most of you know that this is we've been teaching through the book of Colossians kind of over the past few months. Um, and it's been really good. It's been really, really rich. Um, and, but before, before we jump back into the book of Colossians, um, I want to pause, and I want to take a look at a moment in Jesus' life, um, at some things that he prayed that I think will give us a lot of clarity and a lot of emphasis on what Ian unpacked for us last week and then on what we're going to look at today. So if you have a Bible with you, um, open with me to John chapter 17. Um, now, for those Bible scholars out there, right, John 17 is kind of the tail end of what Bible scholars call the upper room discourse, right? This is five chapters long, right? So get this. So the book of John is 21 chapters total, and one evening, one maybe six-hour period is recorded, and it takes five chapters, so almost almost a whole 25% of the book is dedicated to this one evening. Seems like a pretty important text, right? So in, so, so Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. He, they have shared the Last Supper, and he has taught them about the Holy Spirit. He's taught them about his second coming. He has taught them so many things that he, because he knows the cross is just a couple days away. He knows that this is it, that I have got to pour everything I have into this night, right? So, and so this is a prayer that we find him praying. So I don't, I'm not going to read the whole prayer, but if you're looking for some good Bible study this week, just read the prayer that Jesus prayed in John 17. But we're going to pick up kind of towards the end where he starts to pray not just for the disciples, 
um, that, are, that are around him, right? And you'll see this in the text. But he says in verse 20, he says, look, he says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. See, what's really cool is the disciples, the 12 that Jesus chose to be with him, they are like our spiritual, like, great, 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 great grandfathers, right? And so we have the word and believe in the word because of their witness and their testimony. So when Jesus says, I'm praying for those who believe in me through their word, that's us. Pretty cool that not only does Jesus intercede for us now before the Father, but while he was on the planet, he went before the Father and interceded on our behalf. And this is what he asked. Verse 21, that they may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they may be in us, that the world may believe that you did send me. Verse 23, Jesus is praying, he continues, says, I in them and you, Father, in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you did send me and did love them even as you did love me. See, he's, he's praying that we would have each other's backs. And not just that we would be friends, not just that we would be like pals on Sunday morning and that this would be a fun place to hang out. But he is, this is his strategy, right? Like this is the vision that Jesus had to change the world. Like, did you catch that? Like, click the next slide. I put it in bold for you in case you missed it, right? Not, so he wants us to be one. He wants us to be united, not just so that we can enjoy it and have fun, but because Jesus knows that the world will not believe that he is who he said he was unless we are who he calls us to be. Does that make sense? See, Ellie heard the story of God speaking through the bush and went, what? I didn't know he could do that. See, Jesus' design for our community was that we would be a city on a hill, right? That, that we would be a beacon of light in a dark place, that we would be something, that we would be a community that people look at and go, what? I didn't know he did that, right? There needs to be something about our friendship. There needs to be something about our fellowship. There needs to be something about us that makes them want to be a part of us. Right? Does that make sense? And so like last week, everything that Ian said last week, I think it'd be easy to kind of like read some of these texts in the New Testament and go, man, Paul's getting pretty picky. Right? Like instructions for husbands and wives and kids and servants and masters and Man, you got instructions for everybody, bro. Like, ease up, right? Like, just let me do my thing. But no, no, Paul understood Jesus' prayer. Because here's the thing. When a husband lovingly serves his wife, and when he puts her in front of him, and he lifts her up, and he bathes her in prayer, and, and everybody around looks at that and goes, what? I didn't know he could do that. Right? Or when, when a 15-year-old kid learns to, to honor and respect his parents and obey them, guess what? Everybody's going to go, what? I didn't know he could do that. 
right? Like when, when, and so the whole point of what Ian was talking about last week, it was all part of Christ's plan to blow the minds of the world. Because when we walk in step with one another, when we walk in love, and when we walk in encourage with encouraging one another and submitting to one another, it blows people's minds. They can't wrap their heads around it. And they go, I don't, what? It, and, it, and it draws them in, right? Um, but, but how do you get there, right? Like how, it's not just enough to say like, husbands love your wives, wives be subject to your husbands, kids obey your parents, like, okay, check, check, check. All right, guys, go home, check the, check the box, do the list, be better. Right? Like, I hope that's not what you heard last week. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I walk away from a, a sermon, or I walk away from even just time in the Word, and I close my Bible, and I put it on the shelf, and I just, I look in the mirror, and I say, all right, Zach, you got to go be better. you gotta, you got to get this figured out. See, I don't think that's the point. And luckily, Paul doesn't leave us there, Right? Because if you walked out of here last week and you kind of felt like, all right, man, I just got to go do this better, I guess. Like, th- there's, you're in luck. There's, there's a part two, right? There's a follow-up. Paul keeps talking. So we're going to jump now um, into the text, into Colossians. Okay? Um, okay, so this is Colossians chapter 4. And I'm going to start in verse 2 um, and start reading down. Okay, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. The, the New Living Translation actually reads there, it says, with an alert mind and with a thankful heart. See, Paul knew that we don't have it in ourselves to be amazing husbands and amazing wives and submissive children. Like, that's not part of our nature, Right? Like, we are not, our minds aren't usually alert, and our hearts aren't usually thankful, right? Like, our minds are usually lazy, and our hearts are usually selfish. That's just kind of the, the, the lean that we have. But Paul knew, Paul understands that there's something supernatural that happens when you go before the Lord in prayer. When he, so this call to devote yourself to prayer, there's, there is a, there's this, this mystery of, of heaven. There's this, there's this exchange that happens when I come before the Lord with my brokenness. I come before the Lord with my anger. I come before the Lord with my selfishness. And I hand it to him. And he hands me back purpose. And he hands me back fullness. And he hands me back identity. And he hands me back sonship. And he hands me back authority. That doesn't make any sense, but Paul understood that if the Christian household is going to be that city on the hill, the light in the dark place, we have to be a people devoted to prayer. I don't mean like a list, right? Like, God help my grandma and my grandpa feel better and like provide for the money next month. And like, that's fine. Like, it's good to like put those things before the Lord. But there is an exchange that has to happen in our time of prayer. Does that make sense? And to be devoted to something, it, it, it's more than a, a, a passive thing, 
right? It's more than something you do on, in your car on the way to work or around the dinner table. Like, to be devoted to prayer is an entirely different thing. Let me, let me tell you a story about why I know this to be true. Um, so, I, I've been working in student ministry for 10 plus years now, and I've seen all different shapes and shades and different backgrounds and all different types of stories. I'm not saying I've seen it all, but I've seen a lot. And um, there was this girl, her name was Ashley. She showed up one week uh, to our, our gathering, and she was dressed all in black, head to toe. She's a white girl, and she had, she had dyed her hair black. She had black eyeliner. She had black fingernails, black lipstick, like just went for it, right? And then, like, whenever you try to, like, make eye contact with her, she would just, like, snarl at you. Like, I'm like, whoa, like, why are you here, <laughs> right? Like, what, like, did you miss the turn? Like, what's happening? Um, but as I got to know Ashley, I found out that when she was born, her mom was 13 years old. 13 years old, had a daughter, okay? Then she was raised in kind of her grandma's best friend's house, and she was always kind of on the run from a guy who thought he was the biological father, and it was just this, like, mess, right? But her, somebody connected to her said, you know what you need? You need some Jesus. Here, Zach, can you share Jesus with Ashley? And I said, um, thank you. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> I'd never met a human that I was more different from, right? Like, like sometimes you meet somebody and you like kind of click with them. You're like, ah, oh, man, we're getting along, right? But then like that was the opposite of when I met Ashley, okay? So she, we were connected. I met her in her seventh grade year. So she's like 12, which is a, like the easiest time for girls, right? There's like nothing happening. It's just smooth sailing for girls at like 12 or 13, right? And so that was, you know, on top of everything, yeah. She was doing that. And, and so then for, so for three years, she just showed up, kind of sat in the back with this, like, I dare you to convince me to believe you. Look, right? And her, somebody dropped her off and picked her up and dropped her off and picked her up. And, and it got to the point that I was like, hey, like, she's a distraction. Like, it just kind of felt like, should I have, ah, ee, ah. Like, it was one of those situations I really know what to do with. Anyways. So fast forward, we go on a retreat, and Ashley had just said, I don't want to go on retreats, camping's stupid, everything's stupid, no, 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 no. But this time her, her family was like, no, no, you're going to go, and you're not allowed to take any black clothes or black makeup. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be interesting. And so, like, so she shows up in like blue jeans and a neon shirt, and I was like, okay, all right. You know, and so then like she starts to like, get into some of the stuff. She, like, asks a couple questions during Bible study. And I was like, all right. And then one night during worship, like, she's sitting on the front. She's just weeping. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, tears are a good thing, right? Like, let's, okay, something's happening. Now, let's, just to be clear, it's one thing to encounter Jesus, and it's another thing to submit to Jesus. All right? I just want to be clear. And I don't know what your background is, but I understand that there's a lot of times where we encounter Jesus and we experience him, but we don't choose to submit to him, okay? And that's where Ashley was. She was in a season where she was, after that for six months, she enjoyed coming and experiencing, but she would tell you, I don't, like, this is just cool. Like, 
you guys are in the cool group now, you know? And so she was like experiencing Jesus, but not submitting to him. Long story short, after that three-year window, her, her family moved, and they had to kind of hide her in a different state, in a different place for a season. I lost touch. I didn't really know what was going on. But she was always, her name was on a, a note card in my Bible or in my pocket or on a post-it note on my wall in my office. And the Lord would not leave me alone about her. Said, he said, you are going to devote yourself to prayer. I didn't know what was going on. I hadn't heard anything. I was like, whatever. And, and again, I'm still kind of, I'm, I'm young in ministry. Like, I don't really understand the fullness of, of this exchange that I was talking about, right? Like, I come before the Lord, I share my sorrows, my fears, my anxieties, and he gives me authority, and I did. Like, I, I'm still, to this day, growing in that exchange, right? And I hope you are, too. So, so I'm chilling one night, and, and this has been, honestly, it had been about three years since we'd had any kind of contact, but her name was still on my wall, was still in my pocket, still on a note card in the Bible, and I just get this phone call. It was 12.05 a.m., midnight, 05, middle of the night, I happened to be awake. My phone rings. It's a number I don't recognize, so I answer it. Hello? And, like, ain't, like, I'd never had anybody yell at me with such anger before, but it was Ashley. And she said, Zach, I know that you're praying for me, and you have to stop. Like, just, just like, growling through the phone. And I was like, uh, good to hear from you. What? She's like, listen, I'm, I, I'm not joking. I'm not playing. I don't have much time. You have to stop praying for me. I'm going to know, or I'm going to have to kill myself. And she hangs up the phone. So now it's 12.07 a.m., and I'm now wide awake. And so I call some of my closest friends. I'm like, dude, I don't know what's happened, but you got to pray right now. Pray, 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 pray. Let's devote ourselves to prayer, right? Let's go hard right now. Let's take this name of this we don't know the situation, we don't know the circumstance, but we're going to hold it before the throne and go, God, you have to do something because I don't know what's going on. Right? Are you with me? Ten minutes later, she calls me back. She said, you didn't stop praying, did you? I said, no. As a matter of fact, you just got all kinds of bonus prayers. Like, what is happening? And she didn't want to tell me it was back and forth, and so I finally just said, Ashley, in the name of Jesus, you will tell me what's going on. And she kind of like, whoop. She's like, okay, I'll be honest with you. Now, I grew up in a little town, West Virginia, and spiritual warfare wasn't something that we were, like, super keen. We didn't, like, preach that in the Methodist church that I grew up in. But I'd been around some folks who'd experienced it, and, had taught, and I'd been in Zambia, and, I'd, and I knew what a witch doctor was, and I'd heard about witchcraft, and I knew that it was real, right? And I read the Bible, and Jesus deals with things like that. And so I was like, okay. So she starts to describe to me this uh, Wiccan group that she had, like, pledged allegiance to. And she was, like, going all in. And she was so excited about because they accepted her for who she was. And she was finding an identity and finding power and da-da-da-da-da. And so she had, they had a, a year where they had two requirements. Get this. One of the requirements for this little cult that she was trying to jump into was they could not have any contact with people of the light. Guess, that's, guess what? That's us, right? Right? That's us. 
no contact, and she had to like curse the name of God, curse the name of anybody who would like ever care for her, and like not be within like certain proximity of a church. Like they, she couldn't even go close because <laughs> they're like it's contagious. Don't go close. All right. And so for a year, she had basically distanced herself from everyone. That night was her one-year anniversary. That night, they were going to, like, induct her into, it was like, this next level of whatever. And, guys, I can't make this up, right? So she's, that night, she showed up to do the thing, starts the process. Midnight is go time. So she walks into the circle, and the guy who's running the show, and we're states apart, hundreds and hundreds of miles apart, right? So the guy walks in the middle. He's, like, doing his thing. He's, like, feeling himself, and they've got the different things going. And he just yells, like, stop. Like, everything stops. And he calls her out. He says, you have lied to us. She's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you have not cut ties. You have not cut ties. And she's like, oh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what she said because we're, you know. She, like, it, she cursed the name of God. She cursed any name. Like, she did everything she could to try to prove to this guy that she had cut ties. And he's like, listen, all I know, and he stopped for a second. He said, who's Zach? And he asked her, he's like, who's Zach? And she's like, what? And she's like, he's like, go. And they, like, kicked her out because I was praying for her, all right? Now, I, it's gonna bl- I'm going to mess with your theology a little bit, and I hope I do, because when Paul says devote yourselves to prayer, he's not hoping that you fold your hands and bless your food. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, I walked away from that night, and Ashley walked away from that night knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is a God in heaven who hears the prayers of his people, okay? And just a few weeks ago, we looked at a passage in Colossians, right? And this is in chapter 2, right? Like, I'm not making this stuff up. Look, flip back. Go to chapter 2. What does it say in verse 9 and 10? In him, Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you have been made complete, whole, full, right? Jesus, he is the head over all rule and authority. Verse 15, when he, Jesus, had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him, the Father. See, before that day, these passages were like cool to me. After that day, this wasn't just a fairy tale. This is reality. There are spiritual forces in this life, in this world, that are very simply at war for you, for your soul, and for the friends, for your enemies, for everyone around you. And you can choose to ignore it, right? C.S. Lewis said that the two biggest mistakes we can make about demons are that We can say, one, we can ignore them and pretend they don't exist. Or two, we can put too much emphasis on them. So don't don't hear me. Don't mishear me. What I'm trying to communicate to you this morning is this truth. 
that our commitment to prayer is based on what we are convinced of. Can we get that on the screen? The next slide. Oh, yeah, perfect. Okay. Our commitment to prayer is based on what we are convinced of. I don't know what your prayer life looks like. But if you're anything like me, it's, it's easily distracted. Now, you would think, after an experience like that, that my prayer life would be like, this, like, I just wouldn't do anything else but pray for people. <laughs> right? And I wish that was the truth. And I want that to be the truth. And I'm inviting you in to say, hey, Zach, Help me pray for people. Zach, will you pray? Like, encourage me to be devoted to prayer. I want to look at Psalm 40, because here's the thing. I want you to be convinced of the same thing that David was convinced of that made him write Psalm 40. Check this out. This is David writing Psalm 40. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, up out of the miry clay, and he set my feet on a rock making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God, for many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord, for blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust. See, David understood that when he, when he sought God, God wasn't reclining. God wasn't leaning back. He was inclining. He was leaning in. Just, just, solely focused on David, listening, pouring into David and, and allowing David to pour into him. There was an intimacy there. And Paul puts this phrase in here at such a pivotal moment because he knows that the one thing that the enemy can use to destroy your witness is your family. You know that. Partially because you know your own family, but You've known friends of yours who their life, God was doing things, they were moving, and then something in their family happened. And it derailed them. And maybe that's part of your story too. But there's a reason that Paul takes this passage, and we'll go back to Colossians now. There's a reason Paul starts this and says, let's be devoted to prayer, right? So now... Hopefully, you're convinced that praying is powerful, right? If you weren't convinced of that before you walked in, hopefully, you're at least entertaining that thought now, okay? Because Paul then says in verse 3, he says, Praying at the same time for us, that God may open up to us a door for the word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned. See, Paul's convinced of the power of prayer. And, but what's, so he's, it's, it's interesting. So he's inviting them, hey, pray for open doors. Guess what? Poor Paul is sitting in jail, surrounded by closed doors, <laughs> right? And so he's asking them, hey, pray for open doors. But remember in Acts chapter 16, there's this, there's this account where, where Paul and Silas are in jail, right? And kind of in an odd way, what do they start doing? start worshiping, start singing. And then at midnight, what does God do? 
shakes the earth, right, with an earthquake, and their jail cell goes, and they grab the jailer and like, hey, don't kill yourself. Come with us. Let's go follow Jesus together. And so my guess is Paul is still figuring out God, right? Like there's still part of Paul that's growing. And if I was Paul, and if I was in jail one day, and I sang and, sang and prayed, and God shook the earth and swung the door open, all right, fast forward a few years, I'm in jail again, okay, sweet, this worked last time, Lord, shake the earth, we're going to pray and sing in, oh, 1202, 1203, I'm still in a jail cell, right? See, sometimes God shakes the earth and swings the jail cell open, and sometimes he says, no, 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 keep, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. And what he says is, uh, da, 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 verse 3, so he says that, the, that God may open to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I'm in prison. See, Paul was in jail because he was trying to convince people that Jesus rose from the dead. See, like, not very many people knew or believe, no, not very many people believe that Jesus actually raised from the dead. And so when, Paul, when Paul's like preaching that, we're like, you know what, I'm kind of tired of hearing this. It's just going to be easier if we like throw you in jail. But Paul is convinced, right? We are committed to the things we're convinced of. And Paul was convinced that Jesus was alive. And that the mystery of heaven is that not only is he alive, but he's alive in you. Right? And so that is what's got him in chains at this point. Okay. So then, so then he goes forward, verse 5. He says, so conduct yourself towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. So we looked at John 17, right? So that the world may know. And then Paul says, conduct yourself with wisdom towards outsiders because, guys, he understood people will judge our God by our actions. Okay? People will judge our God by our actions. I was following, I was driving in town about a month ago, and I kind of got stuck in traffic, and the car in front of me, the driver was losing his mind. I mean, like, honking, screaming, like, shaking his fist out the window, like, get out of there! Got, like, even like leaned out a little bit and was like yelling and shouting and then finally just like drove up the bank and like like drove off and around. And I was like, whoa. And then like two seconds later, the road cleared and you could drive. But then it turned out I was going to the same place as the car in front, as this like crazy man, right? And so then we pull into the restaurant and I'm kind of like, I want to see this crazy dude, right? Like I want to see who it is. And the guy steps out and he's like, he's a missionary. He's a friend that I know. And I'm like, oh. That's the crazy guy. <laughs> right? And, 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 I, and it's funny, right? But like, and I've been guilty of that, right? Like, but guys, we, we act like that. I act like that because I lose sight of what's at stake. I lose sight of the fact that when people that I lose sight of the fact that people judge my God based on my actions. And you know that's true because you have friends who won't come to church with you. Because when you invite them, they say, nah, man, 
remember that one pastor, like, man, he, like, really made me feel bad about this one thing, and man, and I saw this, and remember that one pastor, he got caught drinking, he was drunk walking around the street, and man, that's just, that's not for me. See, at no point are they making an argument against Jesus. They're, they are judging our God by our actions. And not just our actions, but the words too, right? Verse 6, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt, so that you may know how you should respond to each person. See, the truth is also there that people will judge our God by our words. And here's the thing, they only know what we show them and what we tell them. Like people that are far from God very, very rarely stumble onto him. They only know what we show them and what we tell them. So for you, so Paul says two, three things I, wanted, I want you to just take away, just write this down. And so he says, I want you to devote yourselves, keeping an alert mind. I want your mind to stay alert, right? I want your heart to remain grateful, and I want your mouth to be full of grace. Now, how would your day, your week, look and feel different if you had an alert mind, a grateful heart, and a gracious tongue. My guess is your week would look a little different. If you focus, you woke up every morning and said, Lord, keep my mind sharp. Lord, keep my heart grateful. Lord, put your words in my mouth. Every morning you made that prayer. So I have just a couple questions I want to put in front of you to kind of wrap up our time. Um, Are you amazed Are you amazed that the God that with words spoke creation into existence offers to speak to you? He offers that. That's the promise, right? You seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. Are you amazed by that? Are you amazed by the power and the authority that you can walk in in this life? You don't have to wait for heaven, right? Like, you can walk in a newness and a fullness and an authority now. Are you amazed by that? And then just a little bit of application, like, how are you going to stay alert? What are things that you're going to put in your schedule to keep you sharp, to keep people in front of you? Maybe maybe it is a post-it note beside your desk that will keep you alert, remind you every day to pray for Ashley. Who's your Ashley? Who's the person that you're going to hold before the Father because you're pretty sure that there is nobody else speaking their name before heaven. You know people like that. For me, one of the things that I, that I do is I, I set alarms on my phone. There's people that I want to pray for. So if you're with me through the day, my phone will kind of bzz, bzz at certain times. And I'm not getting a phone call. I'm not that popular. It's just reminding me, hey, pray for laborers. Pray that God would raise up people in this city to reach the next generation. Hey, at 1.09 p.m., I want to pray for Pastor Yami. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would just bless him and fill him, right? At different times in the day, my alarm will buzz and remind me, hey, Zach, don't forget to pray for Nigel and his family. Hey, Zach, don't forget to pray for your Young Life team by name. Hey, Zach, don't forget to pray. Hey, Zach, don't forget to pray. So maybe that's 
if you like, you like technology, you want to set alarms, do it. If you don't like technology, put it on the wall. <laughs> um, what are you going to do to stay grateful? What strategy are you going to implement in your life to fight against the temptation to be selfish, to, t- to, to fight against the temptation to put yourself at the center of your world? How are you going to stay thankful? And maybe, maybe it's an answer to question number three there, where maybe there's just people in your life you need to call and say thank you. And just remember that you didn't get here by yourself. That there are people that have gone before you that have laid breadcrumbs and said, no, no, come this way. And maybe you, maybe you know it, maybe you don't. Maybe there's people that have prayed over you and blessed your life and you have no clue who they are. And you just need to thank God for the things that are going on. Who do you need to say thank you to? And for the sake of unity, for the sake of us being a body and being together, maybe there's somebody you need to say I'm sorry to. If we were a people who said thank you and I'm sorry more often, it would flip your heart upside down. Because to say thank you puts you in a position where you go, okay, you had more than me and you gave. Thank you. And to say I'm sorry means for you to recognize, hey man, I I put myself above you and I'm going to submit. I want to come back under and I'm, I, am, I am deeply, deeply sorry. It'll change your heart. And who's on your list? If you don't have people that you're holding before the throne by name, then I think you're just, you're being disobedient. Like, I, I, this isn't like, hey, if you have time, work this in your schedule. Paul is saying to the church, devote yourself to prayer. This isn't a suggestion. This isn't a hint. This is submission to Jesus means devotion to prayer. Period. End of sentence. So who's on your list? People who don't know Jesus? People that are lost? People that are far from God? Friends? that are beside you that you need to kind of kick in the butt a little bit and encourage them to step out and to step into their calling. Maybe you need to put some of your enemies on your list. Maybe there's some Ashleys in your circle, people that just totally weird you out, but if God turned their life upside down, it would change a city. Are you praying for your leadership? Are you praying for your boss at work? Are you praying for that person at work that you can't stand? My guess is if you offered to take them to lunch, it would fry their circuits. But if we're not going before the Lord and saying, Lord, help me to be a a kingdom influencer. Lord, help me to establish your kingdom in this city. Lord, show me who, show me when, show me how. No wonder you're bored. Right? Like, I don't think a praying person is ever bored. Because you're always holding people before the Lord And then there's always people to call and encourage. There's an email that you should send. There's someone you should apologize to or someone you should say thank you to. Who's your Ashley? Next week, we're going to finish out the book of Colossians, and we're going to take a look at who was on Paul's list. 
Who was Paul running with? Who were the people that he was kind of trying to kick out of the nest? And who were some of the people he tried to kick in the butt? So, so thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for, for leaning in. Thank you for being a part of a community that says prayer is important. Not just is prayer important, we're going to put it in our Sunday morning service. We're going to put it in the middle of your week. But guys, we are going to only be as committed to prayer as we are convinced that God hears us. Might we be a people that are convinced that we have a God who leans in? And might we be a people devoted to holding friends and enemies before the throne? Let me pray. Jesus, you are the ultimate intercessor. You went before us. You showed us the way. You taught us how. You gave us an example. Lord, might we, might our schedules reflect our heart for your people? Might we be convinced that you hear us? Lord, thank you for the way that you intervened in Ashley's life. Lord, thank you for the way that you intervene against forces of darkness when we cry out to you. Might we know the power and authority that we walk in as your sons and daughters, and might we do that with confidence? Lord, would, we, would you help us to humble ourselves, to remove us from the center of our world, to, to, to reorder our life with you at the middle, with you at the center, with you as the king. Might we not just encounter you, but might we be fully submitted to you and your word. Holy Spirit, would you convict us? Would you stir us? Would you teach us to pray with a new word? with a new prayer, with a freshness, and with a power that'll break chains, with a power that'll set people free, with power that'll see a city turned on its head. Jesus, you are God. The fullness of deity dwells in you, and you have authority over all kingdoms and rulers and powers. Might we function as citizens of that kingdom? Lord, we love you. May we be transformed from the inside out. Be centered on you. And pray with a new sense of responsibility the sense of power and passion. And in Jesus' powerful name I pray.